Hi, I'm Kenny, compulsive overeater, uh, more than a century pounder, but we'll go by that. So I first came into these rooms in 97, dragging my feet, dragging my knuckles. I was pissed because the person who insisted I come to these rooms was one of us, my mom, and but she didn't think she had a problem. And she was like 200 pounds overweight, but she wanted her son to be fixed. And I, fuck, I was pissed. So I went to this meeting out in, in uh, on time. I'm sitting there waiting. And, and, and this was when you had to call uh, 411 to get information on OAN. There was no website to go to. So I found this one meeting and I didn't want to go far. So I made it, okay, I'll go to this meeting Saturday morning and I'm waiting. This very cheery person, Nina, shows up and she says, you're our newcomer, aren't you? Oh, I didn't like that at first, but I just said, yeah, you know, I kind of am, yeah. Opened up the room. I found a chair that I could sit and I thought I'd be left alone. I thought I could hide in the room People would leave me alone, and I could just sit there and listen. And there were about 40, 40 or so people cramped in this small room, wall-to-wall people. And when the secretary's turn was to ask, you know, are there any newcomers, I had 40 pairs of eyes all turn and look at me. And I sheepishly kind of raised my hand, and they all welcomed me. The secretary asked, you know, who would like to talk to the newcomer after the meeting? I'd say half the hands rose. And then who will call them? It was like another dozen. And as soon as the meeting was over, I so wanted to bolt. I was so kind of, I related 100%, but I was still kind of scared out of my mind. And as soon as I got up to leave, 20 people surrounded me and started talking to me and showing me that they gave a damn. And uh, like I said, a dozen or so took my numbers down and it was every day I had at least one or two people call me and asked how I was doing. And if I needed to know or learn of other meetings to go to, it was very loving, very warm. And I thought I had the idea of program in that, okay, I just, here's a food plan I follow, I'll lose weight, I'll look hip slick and cool, and then I can get away from you people. And I lost about 80 pounds. And at the time I came in, I was weighing between 475 and 527 some odd pounds. I was huge. I was wearing four and five X t-shirts that were tight enough that you can see my man boobs. So they weren't baggy at all. And I thought that was just, that's just what it was. I wore 56 to 58 inch waist jeans where the thighs were just completely shredded. So my thighs were rubbing against each other out in the open, getting cool air blowing in and out through those jeans. And I thought no one would notice. And like I said, I lost about 80 pounds. I felt I was feeling really good. And I thought, I got this. And my sponsor at the time kept telling me, look, you need to do your four step. Let's do it. We went through the, 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 the questions out of the OA 12 and 12. 
And somehow I wrote my fourth step in third person. How I, I wish I had a copy of it because all about here are Ken's problems. It wasn't my problems or what was going on in my head. It was this person named Ken. And at this time, I also wasn't, I wasn't driving. I didn't think it, I was worthy of having a car. Plus, being that, that large, it's very hard to get behind a steering wheel. So I, I was dependent on the bus. And when I'd go to and from work, there was this, what I would call the Bermuda Triangle for myself. Because at the corners, there were three death traps for me. It's a Kentucky Fried Chicken, a Carl's Jr., and a Jack in the Box. And I'd have to fight, pray to a higher power I wasn't ready to believe in. Please don't let me ring the bell. Please don't let me ring for this stop. Please don't rest. And my hand would just creep up, and 95% of the time, dang, I'd get off. And that was kind of like a form of exercise because I had to cross the street three different times to go. I'd get my sugar-laden coleslaw from KFC because that was healthy. I'd go to Carl's Jr. to get their onion rings, and I'd go to Jack in a Box to get their ultimate cheeseburger because it had no vegetables, no Honestly, I don't think I ate a vegetable willingly till I was 35. And here I am at 27, 28 years old, killing myself. I drank on average two to three and sometimes four super big gulps a day. That's 48 plus ounces, two to three times a day. And one time I, because I can get obsessed with numbers, that was like 1,200 calories minimum a day just on liquid. And like I said, I would stop at these at this rest these restaurants, grab all my food, sit at the bus bench like it's a like it was a, a, a picnic bench, and eat like a slob, just shove it down. I'd catch the bus, go into work, and then an hour or so later, well, now it's lunchtime. And this cycle was just horrendous. Nothing was ever my fault, by the way. It was yours, it was her fault, it was my boss's fault. And also when you're that heavy, you can't clean yourself that well. So I always had a, an aroma of hard work when I really was just sitting there. And then I, you know, I eventually had left the rooms, bounced in and out for like another six or seven months. And then of August of 2001, I came in just I had been run over by what I thought was a Mack truck. And I, I started going to the meetings, but I wouldn't say anything. I'd sit in the back and just sit there. And eventually I started gaining some time again. I started to say, okay, I'm not going to have any donuts because at the time donuts were my death nail because I could eat three and fourth one later my idea of lunch was to get a burger, fries, a drink, and then the emergency small cheeseburger just in case I was still hungry. So I always had an emergency something. The, the, the crispier, the crunchier, the saltier, the sweeter, the better. All that disgusting combination. And I, I think I had about 
13, 14 days of abstinence. And I was, I was a dry drunk with food. I wasn't eating my alcoholic foods, but I was just miserable. And this wonderful woman who was in program, Maria, love her, love her, love her, came up to me and had the audacity to ask me what I lead in the meeting. 10 minute pitch. And I said, I just have 14 days. She says, that's good enough for me. And I don't remember what I said or shared, but apparently I touched everybody. Everybody, I grabbed a sponsor right away and started going doing the staff work. And I did really well. I did really well. For about three or four years, I lost like 120 pounds. I started again to look hip, slick, and cool. And then I allowed life to get in the way yet again. And to the point where this part of my life, I, I'm starting to work the graveyard shift. And if, for those of you who've never had to work those hours, it is really difficult to eat sanely, I found. Because there's nothing late at night that I can run to that is that is would ever be considered an abstinent meal. And I never considered packing my meals. And I, I, I went out again. This was about 2007, 2008. And then I ended up slowly creeping back up. I hit the 400 pound mark and I thought, oh shit, I need to, I have to go, I have to go back and commit to OA. And God made it so that I could. My hours at work changed. And I'm going to the meetings again. And I'm scared because I'm dying in the rooms. Because all I kept hearing from people was just don't eat and go to meetings. Don't eat and go to meetings. And here I am. I'm going to meetings. I'm, in, I'm going about a month and a half, two months, dying. I wasn't eating my alcoholic foods, and I'm going to meetings. And I started to get suicidal. And I just kept raising my hand when they say, you know, well, those of you that need a sponsor, you know, raise your hand. And it got to the point where my hand would just get lower and lower. I would barely raise my hand. And it seemed like it seemed like a year I was raising my hand when it was probably just like a month or two. And finally, this this great band in our program came up to me after the meeting. He handed me his business card. He says, I want you to call me in an hour because I'm sick and tired of seeing your hand go up. I broke down and cried in the car. I don't think I left the parking lot for 30 minutes because I had to I had to gain my composure. And I go home, I meditate, and I called this I called him. And he says, Great. And he goes, he goes, I'm also a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And we're gonna work the big book the way we do it in AA. There was no debate, and I said, yes, Captain. I don't know why I said that. I just said, yes. <clears throat> I've never been shot-putted through the steps that quickly, ever. It was quick. It was rapid, because I guess the way they do it is there's no time to rest. This is a debilitating disease. We are like a man who is drowning in the ocean. 
You know, if that if that ship is coming to save you, you don't say, no, I'm not quite ready yet. No, you're going to wave and have them pull your ass out and save you. So I said, great. Within the first month, we did the first three steps. I would have loved it to have been a little bit faster, but we did it the way he wanted to do it out of the big book. That was the first time we that I ever read the doctor's opinion. Here I am. I'm in. 10 years in and out of program and I was never told it was never suggested it was never pointed out that there was a section called the doctor's opinion and I'm crying as I'm reading this the chapter and what my my what I had to do was every week I'd read a chapter then we would get together and read it together so I'd have to read it twice and then as soon as it was done, he goes, okay, here, underline these things. And I'd underline everything he told me to underline, and he would explain what each things meant. He, I had to look up definition of words. Allergy is an abnormal reaction to a, to an, a, sub, a foreign substance. So that could be gambling, that could be sex, that could be cocaine, alcohol, food. Got it. The obsession comes in when it just... The only thought is to indulge. Nothing else comes in. I learned that God can't come in if all I'm having in my head is fear. I have to open up my mind and allow God to come in, my higher power to come in if I'm to get sane. And I mean, like I said, like a month, we just shot through the first three steps. And he says, great. Well, what is let's read the big book. What does it say? And when it got to the third step prayer, which is what step three is, it's just the prayer. You know, step one and step two are questions. Are you compulsive overeater? Can you, your, man, your, your life is unmanageable. Yes or no? Yes. Boom. You move on. Next. Chapter four, my favorite one, the chapter the agnostic has that question. It says, you know, can I, can I control it once I start? And can I stop once I start? I can't control I can't control squat left to my own devices. Put a bag of chips in my in arm's reach and I'm done. But if you dole it out for me and take it away, then I'm fine. It's weird. I can, but I have to have someone else help me make that decision still. And I'm fine with that today. I actually enjoyed that today. I um. So once we figured that all, he says, great. At the bottom of the page, after you do the th third step prayer, it says, next, we launched in a course of rigorous action. He says, great. Now you have to do your fourth step. And he says, I need to give you a time limit on doing your fourth step. And we decided on two weeks to do everything. It was my ego saying, because left to my devices, I'll let I want six months and I'll finish it on the last day. It'll be half fast, but it'll be done. It just won't be right for me. So I wrote at I, I had like a hundred and eighty-four resentments. I had about two dozen fears. Uh, my sex inventory was not that bad because I'm just Hang on, sweat on. Anyway, so it came time to do my, my fifth step with them. And he says, you know, unfortunately, he had to postpone the day. And I was kind of ticked off that. 
And he says, we have to do it next weekend. And I said, okay, fine. And he says, just go ahead and review your fourth step. And I immediately had three more resentments, and he was the last one. I had to be honest. He was number 187, and I loved getting 187 resentments because that's police blotter for murder. I thought it was perfect. So I have this list printed up. It's like 20-something pages of just the most insidious asinine and even justified resentments at people so we picked a day to, to do my fifth step we met at his house got to his backyard and he looked at his watch looked at me and he says you've got two hours you're not wasting my time and i'm not wasting yours and i said thank you um so i i went through every resentment and i did his resentment first which he enjoyed greatly. He said, thank you for being honest, for being mad at me for that. And I was honest. And then it was every single resentment was virtually the same damn thing. I could have the resentment against everyone in this meeting for the same thing. And that's what it ended up being. Joe, Johnny, Erica, Samuel, didn't matter. They did, they hurt my feelings. Because you don't understand my case is different. You know, I grew up, divorced family, didn't make me a compulsive overeater. I'm born with a genetic disease that has polyps exploded various places all over my body that I was tormented with. That didn't make me a compulsive overeater. I would just get mad at you. You would point something out to me. You would say something stupid to me or what I thought was an offensive thing to me. And it was just these insidious resentments where I was just full of judgment, anger, fear. I judge you before you opened your mouth. I was somebody who always had to win an argument with you. I was the Cliff Clavin of cheers. I knew everything. And I loved picking political fights with people just to prove how stupid I thought you were and how educated I am. Didn't do anybody any service, made me feel really good and I'd go and eat later because I'd celebrate because I made you look like a fool. And he kind of smirked throughout some of my stuff and a couple of my resentments, he cracked up and he says, great. Next, we went through my fears, finding out most of my fears were just lies out and out, just lies. I always expected something was to go wrong because something always went wrong for me. Thank you. Um, you know, again, it was just that insidiousness, the insidiousness of fear. You know, he kind of laughed at my sex inventory because he looked at me and goes, is that it? That's all you've done? And I said, yeah. and I felt bad about that. And he goes, no, that's great. You know, he, he com com commended me for that. And he says, great, we did my fifth step. Two hours, his alarm went off. I was done. I went through the 187 resentments. I went through the two dozen fears. And he says, great, now you get to go home for an hour. See if you missed anything out. Pray to your higher power and call me. Because the big book says we go home and meditate on this for an hour call him back he says great we already know what your character defects are because during my fifth step we wrote them down 
He says, here's your list. Do you want them to be gone? I said, yes. He goes, great. I got on my knees and I did the seven-step prayer. I said, great. Now what? He goes, great. Now you let's look at all the people you've harmed. And I had a list of about a dozen people that I owed an amends to. He goes, great. Find out who you can make an amends to and call me back. You need to have someone in the week. I called him a week later and I put my my amends on a grid with, yeah, I can do that. No problem. Yeah, maybe. Not sure. And then over on the far end was no fucking way. And I had about two or three people. And the one person that I could make an amends within a week was on that no fucking way list. I was so angry. And he says, I don't care how you feel. You're just going to go and do it. And here's how you do it. And again, go to the big book. It tells you how you go about making an amends, how you make the amends. And it was one of the best amends I ever made. This one person who just harmed me more than anyone. I had to go and apologize to him for my part. And I couldn't bring up what he did. He said, when you ask, you also have to ask, is there anything I'm missing? And whatever he says, I need to just shut up and listen. And then apologize for that, no matter what he says. And I didn't get any of that. And I was expecting it. And I was so afraid that I turned it over to my higher power. And so today, right now, I jumped on the scale. I'm at 337. So I'm down almost 200 pounds from my top weight. I have a good 130 to go. And I can I can rest on my laurels real easy saying, you know, I've lost a lot of weight. Leave me alone. But that's not a benefit to me. And that's arrogance to you guys. And that doesn't help anybody. So I can't I I don't want to do that anymore. So I have to turn that over. So now I'm I'm on my 10th, 11th, and 12th step. As soon as I'm wrong with something I've done wrong, I have to promptly admit it. One of my problems, and <laughs> I haven't shared this yet, is I tend to be free with passing gas when I'm home. And my one of my roommates just really just doesn't like it. So I came up with the idea that every time I do, when I'm caught, I have to pay a dollar into the flatulence jar. So now anybody who's following us on Venmo or seeing me putting in a dollar after, because I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to be some arrogant person that thinks I can just belch and pass gas whenever the heck I want because I'm, you know, whatever, whatever my reasons are, I don't want to be that person anymore. So that's like my instant tenth amends. If I say something wrong and I catch myself, I make an amends. During this whole pandemic, you know, you got to wait in line before you can go into a grocery store. This one young lady was, you know, it was my turn to go in and not thinking. I said, thanks, sweetie. And then I stopped because I don't know who she is. I have no right to call a woman, sweetie. I don't. And I paused and I said, I'm sorry. I should not have said that to you. And she goes, she starts saying like, no, that's okay. And I said, no, it was disrespectful. And I'm sorry. I don't know you. And that's disrespectful of me just to say that. And she thanked me and I went about my day and the rest of my day just got better. I would not have done that a year ago. It would have been, that's just who I am. I'm friendly. Hey, sweetie. I don't call guys, sweetie. 
you know, I don't say anything that's, you know, uh, overly friendly to somebody. But it was it was still wrong for me to do that. So I just, I, I made the amends. And it was great. Um, you know, I'm constantly praying to my higher power to show me the way. You know, I have a prospect now that I'm working through the stats and giving him the suggestions that I have done. I don't give him suggestions I haven't done because that's just that's just a good idea. You know, that before I say anything, I need to pause. You know, before I react, because I think you've said something that offended me, I need to pause. And then if I say something wrong, I've got to own up to it for myself and then make an amends to that person if I've harmed them. And that just makes me sleep better at night. You know, and then having had this spiritual awakening, which I get more and more every day, the book tells us I'm required to carry that message. I'm required to carry that to somebody. And I've carried it to people who I really don't care for in our program. And that's okay. But the beautiful thing is I can set aside my opinion of an individual if they've annoyed me in meetings because we're all human. That just happens. I can set that aside in an instant. If any one of them were to call me out of the blue because their ass is on fire and they just needed to reach out to somebody, I'm going to hold their hand. I'm going to hug them over the phone saying, what can I do for you? And I get to do that today. I get to do that freely and not keep track on some board of chits that I eventually am going to call you on because I helped you one day. I don't get to do that today. And I'm so happy I don't get to do that today. And I want to thank you guys for listening to me share. I hope I've, I've carried the message. I tried to the best of my ability. So thank you for letting me share.